Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only post-game highly distributed audio discussion covering all things Atlanta United. I'm Jay Sam Jones from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer is right over there. What's up, Sam? I'm so excited to talk about this game. Woo, so man. many so- hot soccer action happened in this one. Definitely not a snoozer in any capacity. Uh, at least it was weird. Um, you may have enjoyed it if you were a Pontius Pilate. Uh, because there were crosses, crosses everywhere. That's a deep cut <laughs> Easter reference for y'all if y'all are looking out for that on this H dad, but, uh, interesting game to say the least. And maybe one of the better team wins in club history for the five stripes. Atlanta United takes down Minnesota United up in freezing cold Minneapolis playing in temperatures in the teens, a one nothing win. And Atlanta United never really actually scored a goal. Francisco Calvo is this goal scorer on the day, uh, the center back for. Minnesota United. But to recap, things get started off very, very quickly. About two and a half minutes into this one, the five stripes play pinball for just a moment off a corner, nonetheless. Uh, Another corner goal. Comes off the crossbar, uh, deflects right off Calvo, and rolls into the net. And at that point, it's one nothing. Just like that. Who said, I don't want to hear it anymore that we're bad from crosses. We're great from, we're, we're or not from crosses, from corners. We're great from corners. And, you know, short corners, short corners just add to the, you know, the, the, the variation that we have. And, uh, yeah, dude, we're, 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 we're so good from corners. I bet we have some, one of the best corner kick, uh, goal rates in, in, in the league, I would say. I was going to say to our, our dear friend, Teodal Football from Dirty South Soccer has said multiple times that we're, we're at least average on, uh, converting corners. And you look at a team like Vancouver, who you expect to be really, really good on corners because they're so tall. Uh, they aren't quite as good as you think. So sometimes it's not all that meets the eye. Sometimes people are just looking for things to complain for, and it pays off in a big way for the five stripes in well, this one. Here's the here's the deal about this. I, I, sorry, I don't mean to get you off the recap here, but so w- w- with with the short corners and the long corners, people like to see the long corners because then at least like the ball is getting close to the goal mouth, and that kind of represents like some sort of near opportunity even if a player didn't really have that great of a chance to ever get their head on it and get it towards goal as to where lots of times when short corners don't work it's the ball is not even getting close to the goal and it seems like a complete wasted opportunity as opposed to you know having a chance to lump the ball in and get it get it somewhere reasonably close but i mean as minnesota proved tonight just lumping in across near the box doesn't mean you're creating a great chance yeah it's just bad pr it's bad optics but so is playing 55 crosses and not scoring the entire time. Minnesota <laughs> gets in control of this one, of course, until about the 30th minute that Five Stripes were doing their normal thing, just playing people on, getting in behind the defense, and had a couple of opportunities, but did not convert on them. But in the 30th minute, LGP, much like us, just decided to, to call this one short and take a quick trip back to the locker room. Uh, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez picks up his second yellow in 38 minutes after just giving a gentle... Just a little nudge. And in the back of a Minnesota United player outside the touchline, picks up his second yellow, sent off. I wanted to say something else about this one, too. So I, I, I don't have any complaints for the second booking. I mean, I think that that was totally the right call. Uh, well, either both bookings were totally fair. Um, but I'm more concerned with the first one. 
Um, I know that a lot of people will be mad at the second one because he, you know, he knew he was on a yellow and he shouldn't have been doing something like that. But to me, the more egregious one is the first yellow where he picks it up in less than 60 seconds into the game. And it's pretty much caused by him just kind of not paying attention and not being kind of switched on mentally. And a ball was played in and he was not kind of ready to track his marker. The guy got goal side of him and he had to bring him down. In fact, it was you could argue that was a, a red card by him to bring in that guy down um, as a denial of a goal scoring opportunity. But yeah, just wanted to get the two cents in there. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot how quickly Langer got the first one. It was literally just seconds end of the game. Uh, real quick, we'll, we'll touch on it more later, but want to go ahead and just kind of cut this off and get, let you guys know what Tata had to say after the game. These quotes coming from Atlanta United and, of course, with the help of Doug Roberson from the AJC. Uh, he says, in general terms, I think the red yellow cards were fair. Uh, on the first yellow card, I think it was a foul that Leandro had to make because the player was in on goal. On the second one, I don't think that Leandro saw that the ball had already gone out of bounds. The referee made some signals. The Leandro went in with his elbow, but I don't think that's the correct interpretation. I think he went with his shoulder. However, it was risky because the ball went out of bounds and the player ended up being pushed into the boards. So Tata kind of conceding that the second one, a little bit of risky, maybe just not the move uh, Leandro should have made at the time because he was on that first yellow. But Tata saying the first yellow merited. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he had to bring down. Uh, I forget what player it was that he was defending there uh, for the first yellow. But I, it was it was a at that point. I mean, when he once he's made that mistake of switching off and letting that guy get goal side. I mean, he kind of has to pick up that booking there. Otherwise, you have there's going to be a a clear goal scoring opportunity, which again is why I consider. I think that could possibly be a red card, be argued for a red card. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate how it all played out. But I, I, this is two games now with Leandro Gonzalez Perez that we've seen him just kind of, well, not kind of, be really lackluster and not really looking like he's switched on mentally focused, ready to play on the road. Um, you know, here and then again, again in Houston, he didn't finish that match either. Obviously, that one due to an injury, uh, but he was obviously very shaky there as well. So, a little concerning his his um, road form this season, but I mean, I thought both both games at home he's been completely fine. He's been great actually. So um, yeah, it's just a, l- a little worrying trend to keep an eye on. Yeah, we'll get more into it as we go along here on Five Strike Final. We're going to talk a whole lot about the back line and their performance as a whole last night against Minnesota United. But moving on with the recap from that point on, from that 38th minute on. Uh, Minnesota very much in control. The final stats for this one, y'all, are, are pretty astounding. When you get down to it, Minnesota ends up with 71% of the possession. Uh, and a lot of that came from that 38th minute on. They seem to have the ball quite literally the entire time from that point, but couldn't make anything happen from there on. Uh, no more chances really for Atlanta United. Uh, Minnesota ends up with a couple. They almost had a couple cluster goals, just like we had in the first one, uh, but weren't able to pick anything up. They end up playing 55 crosses. By the end of this one, just an absurd amount. I've and never heard of that three many shots on target. I think though, yeah, Maybe yeah, eleven shots by the end of it. But just I, I think it was actually five. I'm looking at it. Five shots on target. We ended up with three shots on target. So even with that huge disparity, Atlanta still ends up with just about the same amount of chances and maybe just the same amount of clear cut chances. I've never, I've never heard of 55 crosses in a game before. That is, I mean, that is just insane. Again, a ridiculous amount. Uh, appropriate on Easter weekend, though. Like I said. Uh, is that too edgy? I'm not... Okay, we may have to cut that. Uh, we'll <laughs> no, talk about it's that fine. Later. It's fine. 
All right, cool, cool. <laughs> we can be edgy on this. We're, we're an age dad, right? We yeah. are filtered yeah, yeah, yeah. by the same cynical controls that control podcast. Uh, we'll That's right. About it, we'll we answer about to it. no one. Exactly. Except ourselves and, and, and Rob. But, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, that was the story. That was the story from the 30th minute on it. Minnesota, cross, 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 cross. Can't get anything in. We hold on for our lives. A one nothing win, three points on the road. It's huge. That that was the story, and then I I think the the side story uh, apart from the the great win was kind of the the battle of attrition we were playing. Um, you know, we lost Jeff Lorenowitz and Greg Garza. Well, we didn't lose Greg Garza, but both of those players went down with injuries in the first half. Um, and that was rough. I mean, that was that was really it was really great to see us fight through that and uh, be able to still. Um, control control our defensive zones um, effectively without those. Well, without Laurentowitz after he went out. Um, yeah, not only and, but but the good news is that it looks like they'll be back. But we'll, we'll, we can talk about that later. Yeah, I, think uh, I know there's been a lot of people lesson. asking about it. Yeah, but uh, not only are you playing with ten men, you're throwing in Salzizo at that point. <laughs> yeah. And if you weren't nervous uh, before that, you were real nervous then. Um, on top of having Chris McCann in the back line with Franco Escobar out. Uh, so just kind of uh, a hodgepodge of stuff, a mix and match situation, but the five stripes still able to hold on in this one. And it's kind of one of those games we talked about it a few times. It's something Tata says a lot, especially because we're usually on the receiving end of the benefit of a red card early on in the game. We're many, oftentimes we've been playing against 10 men. This time we're on the flip side of it, but each time we do go against 10 men, Tata says the same thing. You can't take anything away from a game where 10 men are playing. Uh, most of the entire time. And for some reason, it seems to only happen to us against Minnesota. Did some math on this. We've played 82 minutes over the last two games against 10 or with 10 men against Minnesota. Isn't it interesting, though, how, you know, I, I feel like it, people kind of um, uh, don't give Atlanta the credit they deserve. Um <laughs> This is like the reverse Calvo. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, when we've gone down to 10 men, or I'm sorry, when we've g- played against 10 men, um, you know, game state is not level, so we can't count any of Joseph Martinez's goals because we're it's unfair that we're playing against 10 men. Um, as opposed, you know, and then it, it, this game just goes to show, you know, the game isn't over when you lose a man. Um, you know, there's always... There's always reason to keep trying uh it's a a 90 minute game um so you know kudos to us for for sticking with it and um yeah joseph deserves every goal he scores no matter how many many he's going against yeah those are those are some hot takes but again uh, it's very very difficult to get three points especially when you're down Tata said as much after the game last night he says playing down the man is difficult any league but i think in this league it's a particularly difficult. I think we are organized defensively, and that's what allows us to get the result. And that's very, very true. Even when yeah. you had to bring in new pieces, it stayed organized. Uh, we never seemed to get out of position. And that's what forced all those crosses. There was no direct path inward, uh, into the 18-yard box and towards goal. Yeah, and isn't it telling how when when Minnesota was playing up a man, they ended up putting 55 crosses into the into the box where... When we've played, when we're up a man, I don't think we're putting that many crosses anywhere near that many crosses into the box, which I think just shows that Atlanta has a little bit more creativity and guile, especially with their attacking midfielders and just kind of the way they move into gaps and stuff that we're able to create chances through the middle. Um, even when we're going against a compact defense that's down a man, 
uh, as opposed to, you know, just being forced out wide and having no resort, no other resort than to uh, lump crosses into the box over and over again. So I think that's it kind of the game serves as a testament to what we do when we're in that position that Minnesota was in last night. And then it also obviously serves as a as a great reference point to, to for what we can do when we're in those positions as well. Again, with that thick three five two, and just with the the dummy thick stuff we usually do, just getting out wide in our wit, uh, it causes a lot of problems, especially with only ten men. And with our speed, we're able to create a lot of opportunities. When you don't have the talent, like in Minnesota, doesn't because they only have one DP and he didn't even play. Um, you know, it's uh, it's difficult to get anything going, even with ten men. It just shows our quality. Even though we don't deserve the coverage that we get, even though we're one of the best teams in the league, according to Francisco Calvo. Um, we can talk about that later, um, but you know, it's uh, it's just it's just a testament to our quality, and it's it's exciting in a sense too because it's it's a thing we haven't seen much from this team before. A game where we come away thinking, man, we were really organized, and that's what won us the game. Yeah, it's usually we just yeah. batter teams to death with four or five goals and get out of their life. But this it's one, so great to see us win a game in a way that. We like not only are well, we us as fans, you know, we haven't seen it before, but um, I just love as you know, I, I can't wait to hear what the national pundits have to say about our performance because the whole narrative around Atlanta United has been they're great when things are going their way, but kind of when you make things difficult for them, they're maybe a little flimsy or can crumble or that kind of thing. And I think this kind of just flies in the face of all of that rhetoric, so. Yeah. Um, it was just a great, great, great win. It's huge for this team. This season's going to be a theme of this season. Uh, just not being essentially a monolith anymore. Last year, we did kind of get stuck in our ways, but we've shown a whole lot of flexibility, even with just simple as the formation change. We've shown an ability to switch off. And, you know, after, after three straight wins, the Houston game where we got thrashed seems like forever ago. You know, it seems like a, a different team. Yeah. Just in that small little amount of time so interesting game in this one joe patrick we learned a few things what do we learn yeah well we've already kind of been diving into them a little bit with our little chat there but um you know another thing we obviously we talked about the defense overall um it was you know it was just great to see like you said guys like sal zizzo um the life aquatic uh uh andrew wheeler amiyunu uh Mm -hmm. uh, who came in and really did a great job controlling controlling that front that zone right in front of the central defense um he, he came in for jeff lorenowitz when he went off i think i think that's what the the change was um he did a great job and i thought darlington nagby did very well also playing in that central midfield role when we didn't have the ball which is kind of you know we always expect nagby to shine when we have the ball and we're in possession that's kind of what we talked about all preseason and you know in these in these last couple games we've won um i just thought he they he did a really good job with his central midfield partner pressing when needed, laying off when needed, cutting the passing lanes when needed. It just seemed like a very good partnership that was fluid. Um, or just, I don't know if fluid's the right word, but just like, like they were finally forming um, a partnership where they were on the same wavelength together, whether it was with Lorenowitz or with Wheeler Amiyunu. So yeah. um, that was great. I, that, was, that was very pleasing to see. It's encouraging. It wasn't for a long time. Zizzo comes in, plays 26 minutes. Wheeler Omienu, uh, 16 minutes, and Kevin Kratz comes in late. Because Kevin Kratz has to play in every game. It's written in his contract. <laughs> yeah. Gets four minutes this time. Uh, but it didn't seem to really take away from anything. The defense was phenomenal all night, like we said. 58 clearances by the end of the night. 58. 
That is just insanity. Uh, and it's something, like we said, we haven't seen from this team. So, exciting stuff there. Um, one of the highlights of the night came from a place that, you know, makes us have to eat a little bit of crow. Uh, as Chris McCann was real freaking good last night. And uh, he showed, once again, that when we put him back and keep him out of the midfield, he's pretty all right. He's pretty good. Just put him in positions where he's not constantly uh, surrounded by opposing players and having to make a quick decision. Because that's when he struggles. But when he's in these positions, like when he's playing left back or he's playing, in this case, he was kind of playing a left center back Mm -hmm. role for for much of it. And then uh, center back when, more traditional center back when LGP went out. uh, Yeah, he's just so much better. And (laughs) I kind of joked, like, this is the moment he's been waiting for his entire life to play (laughs) on a Tata Martino team that plays the, uh, you know, the ticky-tacky style football, as Brad Guzan calls it. And uh, and then he's out there just defending and heading and just playing a a, a pure like Irish uh, Irish countryside kind of central defense. Um, this is like how I imagine that he played when he was like 15, growing up with his uh, you know his friends at school and whatnot. And, you know, just yeah. just being a beast out there um, in defense. Yeah, the worst moment in Chris McCann's life. He doesn't know it, but the worst moment in Chris McCann's life was the day his like U15 coach said, "All right, Chris, I can't do an Irish accent." We're gonna do. We're gonna put you in the midfield today, and you're gonna stay there for the rest of your life. You know, if he maybe started as a, a center back, a left back, he may have been a lot more solid uh, instead of you know getting the ball in the midfield and going, oh god, 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 dear god, get this ball away from me now, now, oh my god. Um, he's been really solid, like you said. When we've talked about it before, and you make a great point every time it kind of comes up about him having time to make decisions on the ball. He's a good passer. Um, and defensively, he, he did the job. I think a lot of those clearances did come from him, those 58 clearances. Because uh, like you said, he can't just hoof it up the park in those kind of situations. And it, it paid off in a big way last night. And, you know, it's, it, I think um, this kind of, if we can extrapolate this out, it speaks to actually Jeff Lorenowitz's skill as a central defensive midfielder here in Tata Martino's system. I'm sure Chris McCann was a, a pretty fine uh, central midfielder, you know, in, in the lower leagues in England, not lower, lower leagues, but like, you know, the championship league one where he played. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a different kind of system that we're playing. That's a little more complex and you're, you have, you're, you're asked to do more in that role in central midfield to, to distribute as to where I'm sure when he was playing with um, Bolton and whoever else um, he was playing with, you know, he wasn't asked to do that that much. So he was, he was playing more of a, traditional defensive role so um yeah I, th- I think it speaks to the guys that we do have in that position that you know a guy like Jeff Lorenowitz just just really speaks to his overall skill and intelligence on the ball to be able to distribute and do all those little things that um is pretty demand in a pretty demanding system absolutely absolutely well Chris McCann helped make this one look real real ugly unfortunately that's what we needed in this one but before that in earlier in the day in MLS we saw two really well, we saw one really good game. The first one that was 4-3 uh, was Orlando versus New York Red Bulls. Orlando finally gets their first win of the year. Gets a few fluke goals. Dom Dwyer tackled a goalkeeper at one point. They, uh, got a, they got a goal off a throw-in, which was hilariously bad. Uh, and they got the winning goal uh, off a deflection. Uh, 4-3 there was exciting, to say the very least. Uh, and then we saw LAFC and Los Angeles Galaxy. Um Maybe the best regular season game in MLS history that day. Just that was a few insane. Hours um, that was incredible. I made like unspeakably weird noises. I was I was in a public 
place where other humans were. You know, I was sitting in a coffee shop and there were people across from me, no more than, than five feet away. And I was not screaming, but like clenching and trying to keep noises from coming out of my mouth. And I, I think they thought I was having some kind of mini stroke right there. I, I <laughs> lost my mind in the middle of this, this coffee shop after the first Latin goal. Uh, is Latin with two goals. Uh, I have to point this out. We are now one fifth of the way there towards Joe owing me and Sam Franco of Dirty South Soccer ice cream because he was very unpros Latin uh, coming into the day. Um, okay, I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought this up because I had a moment of weakness after that happened. I was so shook about everything that went down that I was about to. I I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to buy you guys ice cream at the next game. Taking that back. Okay. I'm making them score the 11 goals, damn it. <laughs> okay, okay, but uh, you've got to be worried. Or 10 goals, he's got to score 10 goals. Yeah, the, the bet was that if he scores double digits, uh, or no, I'm sorry, he has to score 14 goals, right? Or, what? Whoa, whoa, I thought it was 11. No, 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 no. It was, whoa. It was, okay, here's, here, here's what it was. He has to score, Sam, okay, so when I made the bet, I came out with the hot take that he wasn't going to score double digits. It was hot. And then Sam Franco says, comes out beating his chest saying, I guarantee he'll score double digits, which in my opinion is something to beat your chest about because that's a pretty mild take. I'm making the hot take here. So I said, okay, let's change it. So you, he has to score 15 goals for you to win the bet. That's a pretty good margin. Still not that hot of a take, uh, not as hot of a take as not scoring double digits, but you know, whatever I'm I'm making the bet here. So um, I gave him 15 goals. He has to score. And to, to win for Sam, for you, and then you got on this as well. So Sam and Sam to win the bet, 15 goals. If he doesn't score double digits, I obviously win. And then there's just a buffer area of the cold take zone, which is 10 to 14 goals. If he scores anywhere in that range, it's uh, it's a push. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. I, I didn't know we had so many ground rules with that. But, but uh, then I, ju- I just thought today, you know, he's definitely going to be taking penalties for them. So uh, oh, yeah. didn't Absolutely. think about that one. Should have put the uh, open play <laughs> rule out there before this bet was made. But, yeah, you know, yeah, that one's on yeah, me. Yeah. That one's on me. I got to take that one on the chin. You're just nervous. You know, it's coming. He'll have it by he'll have it by June. Have it by June. All of this to say, all of this to say with the Orlando New York Red Bulls game and the LAFC LAG game. Uh, if that was an example of the best of what we saw in MLS uh, yesterday. This this was the worst. This was not a pretty game. This was ugly in every single facet. It's the um, it's the old Wayne's World joke where it kind of looks good at the beginning, um, and they're the, you're kind of saying, "Oh, this is this is great," and then you get up and say, "Oh, wow, this is she's a scud." Is what the, the thing is. She or he is a scud. Um, so this was a scud. This looked good yeah. from the beginning. Um, not so great by the end of it. Uh, real not pretty the whole way. Yeah, by the end I was like making gifts of like people falling over and stuff, just like <laughs> just like funny stuff of of stuff that was happening because it was this game was awful. Like like no one would objectively say that this was a good game to watch. It was a good result. It was a good result sure. that Atlanta United got. You know, and we're all happy with how it turned out, but no one was happy during the ninety minutes. There were no winners during that mm-hmm. period of of play. The real losers, especially, were the folks who were in stadium sitting in. Oh my god! I can't imagine. imagine. Just waiting. All that they were waiting for too was to sing freaking Wonderwall. Like there's no payoff. (laughs) There's no payoff. Why go to the stadium? The players looked so cold. I couldn't get over it. Like when we, I thought we were going to lose the game at the start when they showed our players kind of warming up, getting ready to, to take the opening kickoff because. 
all of our players were like they were like blowing into their hands like keeping their cuffing their their hands over their ears like they were doing anything they could to try to keep themselves warm and you could see their their noses and ears were like bright red <laughs> just they were wearing it looked just the largest miserable. like heated parkas walking out with the mascots uh before the game <laughs> and that was concerning then uh of course they took all those off and Jeff Lorenowitz was out there and no sleeves, no gloves yeah. for like the first 18 minutes. Even Jeff Lorenowitz proved he's mortal last night when he got in there 15 minutes and was like, all right, I'm going to put on some gloves. It's, it's freaking cold. Um, so we made it through all that, fortunately. And you guys had questions about this game. We'll go ahead and move on to our listener questions. This first question comes from at our Jesus on Twitter. Jesus with a G and two E's. He asked, does Andrew Wheeler Omino start the next game for Larry? And the simple answer here, I think, is no. Because what we've heard from the reporting of Doug Roberson at the AJC says Larry and Garza should be good to go for the next game. But I think Wheeler, if it's necessary, he's a perfectly capable replacement. Yeah, he looks fine. Um, I mean, I don't know what you were just saying because I was doing something else, reading cool. more Twitter comments. But awesome. um, yeah, 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 I think back it looks it, lo- it, lo- <laughs> it looks like Lorenowitz will be able to go. But um, but I mean, yeah, I, I, we've talked about him a little bit, um, and we'll talk about him some more in a second. But Andrew Wheeler on mini, uh, I can never say his name on Sorry. the first time. By the way, it's terrible. I I apologize for um for all the mispronunciations, and I I really feel for like Mike Connie, anyone who has to say it regularly. But Andrew Wheeler. Amiyunu was great. He was he. It's really it was really good to see someone with like a little bit of pace there who could like close down someone quickly because that's not something that Lorenowitz typically does. You know, he's more mm-hmm. about positioning, um, being kind of being in the spot before he needs to be there so that when the ball gets there, he's he's ready. And it was it was great in the in those waning moments that Andrew uh, Wheeler Amiyunu was able to just pop in and rush a player. Um, when we needed it. so And that pace may be very, very important this next game, which leads us to our next question. This is from at Firebreak on Twitter. How much does this screw us to be down two center backs for the very attacky LAFC? Uh, and, of course, a lot of pace coming at you there. Andrew, if he does start, could be a big part of cutting off any of those attacks because there was a whole lot of pace on that LAFC side. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be... I- there's so many options for what could happen um, in this next game in terms of lineups. Like it's so hard to predict right now, um, especially when we don't we haven't even had a training session to know how far along the injured players are in coming back. I think that will have a play a big part in it. Um, both Lorenowitz and then guys like Escobar, um, who are who are trying to come back and and regain their place in the squad, and then obviously Barco when he's ready to play. Um, I doubt that he would start in his first game back just for fitness reasons. He wouldn't be able to probably go 60 minutes, uh, probably can only go 30 minutes. So you want to, he'll start off the bench. But I mean, I thought we looked fine. I th- I, th- I mean, I thought we looked good with the two center backs. Um, and I think that one of the things that this game also uh, taught us that was that uh, Gressel looks like he can play right back just fine. I mean, I know he's been playing right wing back a lot um, this season, but Honestly, I thought his size was really helpful in this game. Um, he's like kind of a bigger guy, and uh, he was able to clear out some of those crosses, well, some of those fifty-eight crosses that <laughs> that uh, Minnesota was sending in. So, I mean, I, I could very well see us reverting back to a four-two-three-one at some point soon. 
Um, I don't know if it'll happen this game. And like I said, it kind of just depends on the players that are available. Yeah, there's no real obvious answer from a personnel standpoint and from a tactical standpoint right now. The the puzzle used to kind of be like one of those really easy like things you kind of just put together in a few seconds and the borders are really defined. There's an obvious picture you're going toward. Right now we're trying to fill out a puzzle of a rabbit in a snowstorm. It's just like straight white. You can't really figure out where the border is. Uh, there's so much that could happen. There's so many pieces that could fit together. It's kind of hard to see where it's going from this. And it's going to be really interesting against an LAFC team that has had a lot of success, success attacking in its first few games, even though they lost this last one. But that's just because they, you know, got slapped. The picture right now, the picture right now is like one of those 3D pictures that you have to stare at cross-eyed to be able to, <laughs> to be able to determine what it is. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Tata is the one who can figure that out. I, I'm sure he will. We can trust him, right? Always. Always. Moving on to our next question. This one comes from Matt T. Guin on Twitter. I think that's Thomas Guin. I can't say his last name. Guin or something like that. Uh, one. He's very persnickety about his, about the way his last name is pronounced. Yeah, he's, he's got his whole like thing <laughs> phonetically spelled out, so I still can't do it. Uh, one, should Larry ever play center back again? No. Moving on. Two, is LGP very good but in a slump or just a red card waiting to happen? Um, and then he went on to say some defamatory, derogatory remarks about LGP, about him not being able to tackle or dribble or pass, which is nonsense. Um, yeah, we're not taking that kind of slander. On yeah. the sage dad. No chance. <laughs> no chance. But IGP is good, y'all. Let's let's yeah. just clarify that. Everyone he's, stop he's, freaking out. He's inconsistent. I think we can say that. I think we can say that Okay. You don't know going into a game whether you're going to get his peak performance. If you get his peak performance, you're getting probably one of the be- one of the best center backs in MLS. Probably like him and Ike Para, maybe. Um, you know, that kind of level. Um but, you know, like, like I said, you don't know if you're going to get that. So and especially on the road, there's a much higher variance that you're going to get the the downside of him. So um, I'm that's kind of where I'm the, the mode I'm at with him right now is I'm very confident in him at home and on the road. Just definitely more skeptical um, and not knowing how it's going to play out. That's why I feel like that's why our road games are so unpredictable is because you don't we have several players like that. And um yeah, you just don't know how it's going to shake out until until the game happens. Yeah, it, I don't think that's unfair at this point from just what we've seen, even in these first couple of games. Um, the the fouls, the bad fouls, I don't really think that's a huge concern, honestly. Uh, the fouls he makes, even you know, with with Tata's comments after the game, where he said, you know, it was kind of necessary on the first one. The second one, of course, was a was a mistake, and he's got to be a little more aware than that, but his aggressiveness is what makes LGP LGP. Uh, if you take that away from him and tell him to stop doing all these things, then he's not going to have those peak games. He may be a little more steady, but you know, is that really the trade-off you really want with a guy like LGP? I don't, I don't think so at this point. Yeah. And just to clear uh, Thomas's name here, he was saying that other people are saying that he can't dribble, pass or tackle, not him. He okay. thinks, yeah, sorry, he thinks he's good. Sorry, Thomas. We'll, we'll we'll make him we'll make him listener of the week. Thomas is listener of the week. Thanks, Thomas. Congrats, Thomas. You, did you it, went, man. Congrats. That totally reminded me that I need to pull up our winner of our of our contest 
Oh my gosh, have people been listening to this entire thing waiting for us to do that? That's... Oh my god, we did. <laughs> Probably I'm something so we sorry. should have uh, hyped a little bit up at the front. But um, considering I just remembered that I need to do this. Should we tease it we now didn't do and then that. go on? Let's tease it now and then we'll okay. do it at the very, very end. Unless we forget. <laughs> Legitimate chance. No. Yeah, okay. Go, we go almost, ahead, forgot, we almost forgot to talk here. about Copa de Glutton, which was like... a. Huge fucking money uh, fundraising effort. Um, this yeah, is a fundraising so. effort in some ways, except we don't get any money from it. <laughs> it's us giving something of value to somebody else. Yeah, for, for literally nothing. You're welcome, everybody. All right, so I are you? Are we going to explain it? Are we going to explain it? Or are we just going to keep going? Yeah, I, I, you keep keep going with the show. I, okay, okay, fine. I'll, exp- <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll explain what's going on here. What's happening is that I am giving my my ticket my season ticket away stupidly thinking that people would show up and on on iTunes and give us ratings and reviews on this great HDAD that you're listening to right now for free. Um and that and and I really huge shout out goes out to everyone who happened to do that but we only have like a handful of people who are in this thing so uh anyone who did it you have a really good chance of winning. That's awesome. Let me see. I'm, I'm pulling up the numbers right now. The, oh, we had grows. some late. We had some late people. We have nine. We have nine people in contention. Okay. Right on. Right on. We're we are not above shameless pandering here on Five Stripe Final to keep getting the word out about the HDAD revolution, and hopefully you'll get something out of it too. We, we, I think we'll keep doing this for a while as long as you kind of have press box stuff going on, maybe once a month. Type thing, I don't know. Yeah, we'll yeah. we could, yeah, we could, we could, we could do it every here and there. Or uh, you guys could just out of the kindness of your heart because you love the show, go give us five stars. That'd be pretty cool. That'd we could cool. like shout you out on Twitter or something. Yeah, that's the same thing essentially. Honestly, if you we will not, we will not read reviews stars. on the podcast because no one wants to hear that. Wow, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's totally fine and acceptable. I am not getting into any of that. Not <laughs> Joe. We're moving on. We are I'm just sub talking. <laughs> nope. Moving. <laughs> All right. We are going to move on to our next segment where we tell you the folks who you may have missed last night, who you may not have seen doing the dirty work, getting the job done. These ladies and gentlemen are our Lorenowitz men of the night. Joe Patrick, who is your Lorenowitz man? I'm pretty sure my Lorenowitz man of the night is someone that no one would think of or predict. Yeah, I forgot this person even played in this game, to be totally honest. (laughs) My Lorenowitz man is Darlington Nagby. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, he didn't really do anything that we bought him for. Um, But it kind of reminds me of the Office episode where they hire a stripper for Michael's bachelor party um, at the office. And he gets really weirded out by it, doesn't want to do it. Uh, do any of the 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 stripping, and then so since they had her rented for you know her services rented for like an hour, two hours, or whatever it was, Dwight just puts her to work on the phones, and I feel like that's what uh that's what Darlington Dagby did in this game. <laughs> um, he didn't do anything that we bought him uh to do, but you know we had we said hey defend in central midfield, and uh, he did that really well. I thought, I mean, productive nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. he was um. Just did the job that needed to be done and relieved pressure in, in, in times late in the game when uh, we needed to just kind of get out of our own half or hold the ball and draw a foul to kind of 
chew up some clock. So yeah, he's my he's my Lorenowitz man. Very nice, very nice. My Lorenowitz man. Not nearly as entertaining as Joe's, but I'm going to give it to Parky. Parky was solid last night, especially when things kind of got hectic and keeping the defense organized. Uh, Chris McCann pointed him out after the game in one of his quotes, saying, just talking about how Parky's the captain and helps kind of get things organized, along with everyone else who had to step up in a really, really tough situation like Brad Guzan, a few others. But Parky uh, standing out there the most and keeping a 10-man team organized as the captain, as the one true center back left out there. Uh, after LGP gets sent off. So uh, good on Parky. And we'll send uh, Darlington and Parky their, their life-size Jeff Lorenowitz trophies uh, in the mail. They're, they're, in, they're in FedEx Kinkos or whatever. They're on the way. They're on the way, guys. Moving on to our final segment of the night, our quote of the night. Joe Patrick, do you want to take this one away? Yeah, it, this one comes from Tata Martino, uh, legendary manager. He spoke about Minnesota after the game. He said, they got in a few good crosses, but they really didn't create any any obvious goal scoring chances. <laughs> yes, <laughs> got a few good crosses. Oh man, they, they sure. That's just uh, you try. They had fifty five crosses. Sure did try, man. <laughs> let's let's go. Let's go get a juice box. Let's go get a juice box after the game, buddy. And let's talk about all those good those good crosses you tried to put in. It's great. Yeah, nice job. Nice job. So Tata, you know, just Tata means. Pops, dad, whatever you want to say. He's just was, ta- a was, was Tata sub talking there? Was he like, was That's he sub talk? <laughs> For back, sure. Like a little backhanded, uh, not even a compliment, really. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, just thought Tata's that quote was saying. funny. As always. As always. All right. Anything else, Joe Patrick? Um, yeah, we have a uh, contest. Uh, we have a season ticket to give away. Oh, yeah, that great tease we had earlier. Let's, let's, let's knock that out. I'm trying to look up our um the ratings that we have. They never seem to show up on uh on iTunes. But let's see. How about we how how are we going to do this? cuz a random number generator there's no fun in that. Why don't you just give me a number between 1 and 9? Okay. Uh and I will pick Hmm. There's got to be some symbolism behind it, right? Uh Sure. Should we just do five? Should we just do five? Just uh, based on the name of the H dad? I think that makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Five for five strike final. So let's count them down. One, two, three, four, four, five. Five. All right. We have Kevin S. Roland at gmail.com. You are now the new owner of a season ticket in the supporters section for LAFC. Congratulations. Hey, good job, Kevin. Right on. Right on. Congratulations. Crowd goes wild. Congratulations. I'm almost positive you're definitely going to resell that for some just ridiculous uh, <laughs> above market value. But hey, what more power what, to you? What more is five strike final than the Robin Hood of H Dads taking from, well, not the rich, but giving from the, the super, super poor soccer bloggers to the other, maybe probably more better off listeners, but letting them make some money anyways? Uh, it's essentially just a good deed on our part. Uh, so congratulations, Kevin. Hey, good stuff. Um, yeah. So that's going to wrap things up from Five Strike Final. Kevin, I think we'll message you, I'm sure, and get things sorted out as far as that ticket goes. But uh, so shout out, Kevin. Shout out, Ryan Catney. Shout out, Kerry Brownstein. Shout out, Harris Kruskis. Shout out, Brian Tyree Henry. Shout out, Ben Jones. And shout out to LeVar Burton. I know you're listening. Shout out, Jorge Thieler. Shout out, Justin Belhuis. Shout out, Chris Raimondi. Shout out, Pat Johnson, a.k.a. PJ. And shout out, Zlatan. 
All right, cool. That's it. That's it. Duck Duck Grey Duck is trash, Minnesota. Your entire state is trash. I don't like any of you. You betcha. I hate your freaking guts for hurting Jeff Linowitz, by the way. I didn't even get to talk about it, but I'm going to fight every single one of you goofy ass. Oh, brother. hell yeah. I, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to get out of here. All right. See y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye. Where is Coco? Go, go.